Hey, and welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor, and I'm glad you decided to hang out with us today. Parkview is the kind of place where, regardless of your past or your story, you can take a step toward God. Whether you've been around church for a long time or you're just starting to get to know Jesus for the first time, you belong here. We believe God has a step for you to take and we're here to help you with yours. One great next step might be for you to help us provide resources to a couple of our partner ministries by contributing to what we're calling Parkview's Baby Shower. This baby shower is a way for us to bless two ministries that are caring for, supporting, and sharing Jesus with young moms in the Chicagoland area. How can you help? Well, I'm glad you asked. All you have to do is go to parkviewchurch.com slash baby shower and follow the instructions on the screen because our baby shower is happening online so that Parkview's wonderful online community can participate. That means that no matter where you live or where you are, you can help us be the hands and feet of Jesus to some people who really need it right now. If you couldn't tell already, Parkview is a generous church that loves to meet the needs of people who are both inside and outside the church walls. So thanks in advance for being a part of that. And if you want to find out more about supporting the ministry of Parkview, go to parkviewchurch.com slash give. Today, Pastor Tim is continuing our teaching series called Relationship Goals. And, and by the way, if you want to go back and listen to a sermon that you missed or you liked and you want to listen to it again, you can find them all at parkviewchurch.com slash on the go. Thanks again for joining us. I'll be back at the end to close out our time together. Enjoy the service. What do you call the three rings of marriage? No clue. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and the suffering. It's not the way it is. It doesn't have to be that way. I will be 100% committed to this half the time. I'm going to let go, Jack. Snap out of it. What do you want? Are you kidding? I know what love is. I just don't want to be some dude on your arm. I should be royally ticked off at you. You know, you are really destroying the groove up in here. Stop Calm down, crazy. What is this? Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to you that are watching at uh, New Lenox campus. We're glad you're here. If you're at Homer Glen, if you're at Orland, or those of you who are watching online all over the world, or those of you who are watching online because it's cold outside. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. And I know why you've tuned in today because it's Super Bowl time. Am I right or am I right? And you're ready for a prophetic word or a divinely inspired insight about the game this weekend. Don't let my jersey give it away. I, uh, I grew up in, you know, I, I spent, I was born in Missouri. I grew up in Oklahoma. I kind of have a leaning one way or another. But, you know, there's this drama and this hype about this game because, you know, you got the old man and you got the young superstar going against each other. And, you know, it's just incredible. Only time the home team, the only time there's been a home team in a Super Bowl, so many things. And so I eagerly sought the Lord, the outcome of the game. And I said, Lord, I beseech thee as sovereign judge over the world and over all things, give me some insight for the good people of Parkview in case, you know, they've got bookies or whatever for who's going to win Super Bowl 55. And as I was in an attitude of prayerful inquiry, I recalled that the football season began. It was crazy because Tom Brady was 42 years old, which just doesn't make any sense at all, right? He was so old. And so 
I wondered, Lord, is there something about 42, about the old man Brady? And at that very moment, I heard a rustling of the wind come in from outside, which was weird because there wasn't a window open because it's winter. And the pages of my Bible started fluttering, and I ran with haste over, and mine eyes beheld Job chapter 22. And it could, what else could it be but a message about Brady? And here's what it said right there, and he died old and full of years. The good book is clearly saying Tom Brady's time is up. I thought, I said, Lord, is this true? Is this, will young Patrick defeat old Tom? And again, I was led with the pages fluttering to Isaiah 3 verse 5, where it says, the young will rise up against the old and utterly slay the old man. I'm like, wow, I mean, you couldn't be any more clear, Lord. This is amazing. Sounds like bad news for Brady and the Bucks. So I bowed humbly and I prayed, Lord, it appears clear that Patrick Mahomes, your, your shepherd of the chiefs, this chief shepherd will be the victor. Could that be true? And my Bible flipped over again to the New Testament, to 1 Peter 5, 4, and I read, and the chief shepherd, when he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. But, but, but Lord, I protested, Tom Brady is the goat. He is the greatest of all time. He is nearly perfect without defect. But the Lord saith to me, as surely as I live, Numbers 29, one male goat without defect shall be slaughtered. The word of the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Chiefs win, Super Bowl 55. That is my prediction. I'm just so glad the Washington football team isn't in the, you know. I mean, what do you do with football team? I mean, get a mascot, guys. Come on. Let me have a personal moment with you right now, if you don't mind, because the um, easiest way to get this news out, and it's good news, but I want you to be praying for my wife. Um, Denise has a uh, essential trimmer. Okay. All of her life, she's had this essential trimmer. It's hereditary. Uh, she shakes. Um, sometimes it's worse than others. And I mean, like all the way back to in fifth grade, she didn't know this till later. Her, her piano teacher and her mom conspired together to never let her know that there were recitals because when she got nervous, she just, she just couldn't handle it. And, and she's had it all of her life. If you ever watched her lead worship back in the day, it, it's, it's always there. And it's gotten worse and she can barely write and everything is really affected. So this Wednesday, uh, we are going to Mayo Clinic, and she is going to have deep brain stimulation surgery, which uh, sounds as crazy as it actually is. They will put probes into her brain that will be wired up to a little device like a little pacemaker deal that will help her stop shaking. And maybe some of you have that. Some of you have Parkinson's friends or family maybe that have had it. It's a three to four hour surgery. And like I said, we're going to Mayo Clinic. It, you know, doesn't get any better than this. Uh, but we're not a family that's had a lot of surgeries and a lot of things like that. And it's her brain. So just love for you to be praying for us. It's on Wednesday. Don't know the time exactly yet. Um, and uh, our anniversary is the next day. So you can tell all your friends that your pastor is getting his wife brain surgery 
for their anniversary and watch their reaction, okay? Uh, Last week, we started this relationship series, uh, this model by Dr. John Van Epp, Christian author, called uh, Relationship Attachment Model. And we have books for you at your campus. Uh, They are available online as well. Uh, A married book and a a singles book. Uh, I mean, I really, really, I mean, the marriage book, I always want to help our marriages, but man, the singles opportunity for you to, to read this book, how to not fall, how to avoid fall in love with a jerk, really, really recommend it, okay? And this is the biblical progression of relationships, okay? So in other words, you need to know a person before you trust a person, uh, before you rely on a person, right? Before you commit to the person. I mean, you're not going to have any of that along the way. And then eventually that leads to touch, Can I get an amen? Okay, eventually that leads to, this is really delicate, there it is, touch, okay? And, uh, and if you're single and plan to be, you know, married someday, this is critical information for you. This works with friendships also. I mean, don't be weird about the touch thing, but you get where I'm going. If you're married, this will help you navigate the dynamics because sometimes, you know, this is, these are like slider. I'm not even going to touch that again. Okay. Uh, it's it, it sometimes, you know, this is, this is the husband and you know, this is the wife and, and there I'm leaving it alone. And, and, and you, you're all messed up and you don't know what's going on. And, and having you both on the same planet, okay, because men are from Mars and women are from Venus, having you both in the same spot is really, really important, okay? And, and, and the, the hope of the matter is, I mean, these are like the, the, the way that this slides on a soundboard or whatever, you know, I mean, I, I'm hoping they're going to give me an app for my wife's brain when it goes with this thing, but I don't know how it's all going to work. You've you got to understand that, that this is how relationship attachment happens. And when you get these out of, out of whack, it doesn't work. So here we go. Philippians <coughs> 2 verse 5. In your, say that word, what? In your relationships with one another, have the same, what? Mindset as that of Christ Jesus. This is where we're going with this, having the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. So if we're going to do that, it means the first thing that we do is we know. And and if you missed last week, go back and watch it online because it's a prerequisite for the other four bonds in the relationship. How can you trust someone unless you know them? You never want your trust level to be higher than what you know about a person, okay? This, this, This just doesn't make any sense. Somebody said, a relationship without trust is like a car without gasoline, okay? Uh, you can stay in it as long as you want, but it's still not going to go anywhere. You with me? So, so the reality is we all have trust issues. Some of us more than others, but all of us have trust issues. And there's usually good reason for that, okay? Like um, I can give you a few, like personal trainers who say, okay, last one, Right? Yeah, or, or pastors who say, in conclusion, or one more thing, right? And it, it, it's not really true. Here's another thing that, that gives me trust issues. This is Iceland and this is Greenland. I mean, what Viking got these mixed up back along the way? How are you supposed to believe them? And, and here's the truth of the matter. There are two reasons I don't trust people. Number one, I don't know them. And what do you think number two is? I do know them, right? Right? 
This is, the, this is why this is so important. If you don't get this up here, then the truss is not going to work very well. Now, obviously, this is a tough one for all kinds of reasons, okay? It's tough for many of you today. So I want to come at this from three different angles. First of all, how do you build trust? Secondly, how do you sustain trust? And thirdly, how do you rebuild trust when trust has been broken, okay? So let's start with the first one. How do you build trust? And here's a very famous quote from Ben Franklin that helps us with the first two of these. Before marriage, he said, keep your eyes wide open, but afterwards keep them half shut. It's brilliant, isn't it? So, so you have to have your eyes wide open over here so that you don't assume something about a person. Because you know what happens when you assume. So your eyes are wide open. And this is why I talked last week about the 90-day rule. The nine, within 90 days, half of all dating relationships break up. Within 90 days, a lot of relationships find out something that is an aha, oh my goodness, I didn't know that thing about the person that they're dating. It's called the 90-day rule. Okay, so you gotta, you got to give it time to be able to get the trust built up because you're, you're, you're going to have to know them, okay? Example, Old Testament, Samson. <laughs> Blessed by God to be literally like a superhero, okay? Physically strong, ripped, built, six-pack abs. Just picture me with sandals, basically. But he had a weakness, okay? And his weakness was, was women, okay? He was a he-man with a she problem. That's what, that's what his deal was, okay? And God had given him a secret to his great strength, and it was his hair. He told him never to cut his hair. That's why Pastor Richie does it. He thinks maybe it'll work on him. And he gave him power as a warrior. But he got involved with a prostitute named Delilah. Hey there, Delilah, right? And he got involved with her. And the ruler of the Philistines offered Delilah big money if she can discover the secret of Samson's strength. So, so, she can, so they can overpower him because he's killing the Philistines every time they go into, into battle. So she comes to Samson one day and she says, honey, baby doll, how did you get to be so strong? And he goes, well, babe, you know, the secret is you got to tie me up with seven strips of leather that have never been dried. And if you do that, I'll be as weak as any other man. So she gets him drunk, lulls him to sleep, ties him up with seven strips of leather. I told you the Bible is not boring. You guys should read it. And she wakes him up and says, Samson, the Philistines are coming. The Philistines are coming. And he jumps up and pops off the leather and throws down on the Philistines. Now, you would think that there would be some red flags about Delilah, right? You know, I mean, you would think he would be like, okay, well, we're done. Okay, well, how could you lie to me? But no, no, he, he, he was a he-man with a she problem, and he, he just kept going. And Samson goes through two more similar scenarios to the leather, and each time he breaks whatever it is, and, and he beats down the Philistines, and now she's mad, okay? You've got to read this. This is just relationship disaster 101. And then she said to him, after three times trying to trick him and trying to kill him, she says, why won't you confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and, I haven't, and haven't told me the secret of your great strength. And with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. So what does he do? He tells her the truth. 
Even though there, there's no reason. I mean, there's anti-reasons from what he knows for him to trust her. But he goes ahead and he tells her the truth. He trades God's secret for Victoria's secret. And he, he goes to, thank you very much, he goes to sleep and he shaves off his hair and she shaves off his hair, and he wake, when he wakes up, the Philistines come, but he has no strength because he's dishonored God, and they grab him, and they blind him, they gouge out his eyes, and they put him in prison. Now, think about this, okay? Three times she broke his trust. Three times. Red flag, red flag, red flag, yet Samson still put his trust in her. I mean, love is really blind and stupid sometimes. And the danger in trusting before it's earned is that trust must be built on what you know. And the only way you get to know someone is by the three T's, okay? The three T's are time and together, talking and togetherness over time. 90-day rule. Talking and togetherness over time. You build trust by talking and togetherness over time. Now, if you get to know someone and you know they're a, a, a lying person who's trying to kill you and you decide to trust them like Samson, it's your own problem. But this is how you avoid all of these things, okay? So let me demonstrate what trust ought to look like in a relationship with a trust fall, okay? Here's some bad ones. <laughs> Okay, fall backwards, okay? Fall backwards. Don't fall in that hole and fall backwards. This is Marquita and Keith, my friends, and uh, they made them wear a, a Chiefs and a, and a, and a Tampa Bay, uh, you know, to kind of signify what marriage relationships are like. And have you been practicing? Okay, all right. So uh, Marquita's going to do a trust fall into Keith. She's not going to look at him, but she knows him. How long have you guys been married? All right, True. Uh, forever. Okay, good. Good answer. All right, here we go. One, two, three, trust fall. Oh, very good. Let's give him a hand. All right, now, now, Marquita, can you catch him? Let's go. Turn around. I want you to catch Keith. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're doing this. Hey, buddy. <laughs> All right, you might want to get a, a little bit closer. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Can you do it? Yeah, all right, Marquita's been working out, okay? All right, thank you guys so much. Oh, but wait, before you go, now here's the problem in relationships, okay? Marquita works for me, so I, I know a little bit more about her, and I've been to Africa with Keith a few times, so I got these guys figured out pretty well. Here's what I know. The problem in these relationships is that you don't come with just yourself. You come with some maybe some pride issues or some hurt issues or somebody did something to you along the way or, or maybe it's a second marriage for you or a different relationship and you end up with all of these issues that are going on in your life. Maybe, maybe there's some stuff that you don't even want them to know about and you get married and you get hitched and we're not talking about Samson or Delilah but, but we're talking about all all of us come with this kind of stuff, right? So I'm not going to make you fall on her, but let, let's do this again. We're going to do the trust fall with the baggage on, okay? Here we go. One, two, three. Yeah, 
And see, it's a, it's a little bit harder, isn't it? All right, get your baggage out of here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Marquita, Keith. The problem is Keith is weighted down in the back as well, and that's where the whole thing is going to go wrong is when you've got this thing going on and you've got weight and she's got weight. It doesn't matter how much you know, how much you trust. This is what's going to happen. So this is why knowing and trusting is so important for us. We're all going to have this stuff that we come and we bring it, and then we've got to trust each other, but that only happens when we know what's going on. So, oh, it came back. So number two, how do you sustain trust, okay? Now we're all messed up now, aren't we? How do you sustain trust? This is going to be great. I'd love for all the campuses to watch that. That's going to be so fun. Remember what Ben Franklin said, okay? Before marriage, keep your eyes wide open, but afterwards, keep them half shut. And I think he was referring to what the apostle Peter was talking about when he said, love covers a multitude of sins. It covers a multitude of sins. So before you get into this commitment part, you got to know them so that you can trust them, right? And then after you get into this commitment part, I think it's really important that we have to give them the benefit of the doubt. This is what the Apostle Paul said when he said, love always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails, okay? So when you love someone, you say, okay, I'm going to figure you out and I'm going to commit to this relationship. And then afterwards, I'm going to sustain the trust that I have in you by knowing that you're never going to be perfect, by knowing that somebody's going to flip the screen up while you're walking backwards, <laughs> by knowing that you've got stuff in your backpack that, that probably isn't ever going to go away, okay? That's what's really important is that we sustain trust by giving the other uh, uh, the opportunity to, you know, before I jump to conclusions, we're going to consider other possibilities, right? We're going to believe the best in someone. When Paul says he, we always trust, he means that you, you move to the good, you move the good in the foreground and the negatives in the background. Love prompts us, it, it trusts us, it forgives us, it heals us. Let me put it this way. Feelings of trust grow out of the qualities you choose to focus on. I'm not saying that we're naive in the relationship, but once you get to this part, sometimes your feelings of trust grow out of what you focus on. How many of you would say, there's a spouse, you married couples, there's a spouse that lives in your house, and there's a spouse that lives in your head? Isn't that true? And some of you have had a lot longer arguments with the spouse in your head than the spouse in your house, right? And some of you have way different feelings about the spouse in your head than the spouse in your house, okay? So listen, there's some things that we're going to have to overlook in our relationships for the trust to be able to stay up so that the reliability and the commitment are able to keep going. And then when think something does need to be addressed... We address the real and significant things, okay? Do you know what the, I, I told you last week, the number one uh, thing that guys want is respect. And you know what the number one thing that makes guys feel disrespected? It's nagging, okay? I know you don't, 
You don't think it's nagging or nitpicking. You think of it as a suggestion to awaken him to his flaws. But, but listen to me. You can bury a marriage with a lot of little digs. Am I right? Okay. So what I'm saying is that before you get to this level, you got to get to know them so that you can trust them. Once you get to this level and you sustain it, then the trust grows off, out of what you focus on. Let me give you another example in Scripture, okay? Acts 15. Paul and Barnabas uh, are, are going to go on another missionary journey, and they're, 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 dis- they're in a disagreement. And this is a really fun passage in the Bible. These two church leaders cannot agree about taking John Mark with them, okay? In the earlier trip, John Mark had gotten homesick, and he bailed out, and he went home. And Paul is one of those no-nonsense guys. He's like, you know, he he bailed on us. I'm not going to trust him again. And Barnabas, who happened to be his cousin, is the son of encouragement. That was his name. And he decided, Barnabas decided, I think John Mark needs another chance. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they split and went on different missionary trips. And Paul took Silas, and Barnabas took John Mark with him, okay, And it all turned out good. And later on, after Paul knew that John Mark was able to be trusted, they all went together and everything came together in the way that it was supposed to. But what I'm saying is sometimes when you look at that person in your relationship, you are going to have to decide if you're going to focus on the shortcomings or you're going to focus on the good things. You got to decide one way or the other. And Barnabas, you know, I'm not saying Paul was wrong. He had the right to do whatever he wanted to do. But we've got to decide what we're going to focus on. All right, one more. How do you rebuild trust when trust has been broken? This is going to be the toughest part of the sermon for many of you for two reasons, okay? Either you have been hurt um, and had your heart broken by someone or you're the offender who hurt uh, or betrayed broke the heart of someone else. And one of you wonders, how can I ever trust this person ever again? And the other one is, how can I rebuild and regain this trust? Because somewhere along the way here, things got messed up, okay? And, and I want you to understand that there is a... Let me, let me start with this first, okay? Significant difference between forgiveness and trust. Forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. When someone hurts us, or does something to us, we have to forgive them if we follow Jesus. Ephesians 4.32 says we forgive like Jesus forgave us. I mean, Jesus looked down from the cross and said, Father, forgive them. We have to forgive them, okay? But you may need to be slow about trusting them again. Which is why whenever I talk about this, I often feel like i got to say, that forgiveness does not ever mean that you tolerate abuse, okay? And if you're in a situation like that, please let us know. Please let us help you. Because forgiveness and trust are not the same thing. I mean, Samson should have figured it out earlier and would have literally saved his life and the kingdom, okay? What I'm saying is that forgiveness is past-oriented and trust is future-oriented, okay? Forgiveness means letting go. Trust means holding on. And that might not be possible, or it might take a long time for it to happen. And there are two cautions I want to give you if you're the person on the side who has broken trust, okay? Two things I see that are mistakes often are, number one, offenders want to be given 
they, they want to be back in, they want trust to go back up in here without any changes to the relationship, okay? They broke the trust, and, and, and they're like, okay, I'm sorry, I want, it, I want to come back, and I, and I want it to be here. And the truth of the matter is, it's going to take some time, okay? Realistically, if you break your arm, like I almost did, you know, it has to be put in a cast so that you can restrict the motion for a period of time so that it can heal. Think about that. You can't just keep doing all the activities that you've done over this period of time. When trust is broken, it's going to take some time. The second mistake I've seen is that the person who has broken the trust is, is always, almost always wants to get back to normal before the other person is ready to give it to them, okay? I've seen this so many times in marriages when there's been an affair where, where, you know, they come back and they're sorry and they're legitimately sorry, but the other person is like, man, I don't trust you yet. And, and, and finally the spouse says, okay, you know, we're going to do it, but this and this is going to happen. And at first the offender in the party is like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this. I want you back. This is what I'm going to do. But a lot of times it's like they do it for a while. Maybe it's a week or two or a month or whatever. And after a while it's like, hey, I'm tired of all these restrictions. When are you going to trust me again? This isn't right. And I can't tell you what that timeline looks like. That's why I would encourage you not to break the trust in the first place. But remember, this isn't about you. This is about them. This is their relationship attachment model, not you, okay? So you're going to have to wait until they're ready. It doesn't mean they haven't forgiven you, but there's a big difference between forgiving the past and feeling trust and security all over again. So how do you rebuild trust when trust has been broken? Well, you recognize the difference between forgiveness and trust. You realize that it's going to be rebuilt over time and there's going to be some restrictions. And eventually you rebuild trust by making a decision to do it. Okay? If, if somebody has broken your trust that you've committed to, that you've been in a relationship with, at some point, you're, gonna ha- you're never going to know. And the truth of the matter is, we're never going to have enough information to make this slider go all the way up. At some point, trust is about trust, right? It's about faith. And you're never really going to know. So if you get yourself in a place where you've committed, which we'll talk about in a couple of weeks... You gotta, you gotta know that this is where I'm gonna go with this. I am going to trust you at some point. All right. So here's the deal with the trust thing. All right. I think that you know, we we all start like this. Let's go this way. All right. We're this stick figure. We're all born. We're very trusting. You know. I mean, I, I look at my grandkids and I, and I, you know, my my. One and a half year old granddaughter Maggie is just a maniac. She's just jumping off of stuff. She's got two older brothers, and she's gonna break her arm one of these days because that's just who she is. Because she's very trusting. Okay, so you have to watch out for that because that's tricky. But along the way, what's going to happen? Well, somebody is going to the friend is going to betray along the way, right? And and then maybe there'll be uh, in, in in your life a parent who doesn't show up or they don't say the things or do the things that a parent is going to do. And then maybe, you know, a teacher or a coach does you wrong somehow. And then more friends damage us. And then maybe a spouse or our kids wound us. And and all of a sudden, we are walking around in our little bubble. 
And man, I'm going to tell you, after this year that we've had, we've all literally been in our little bubble. And everybody has hurts. And what we do is we start keeping people at a distance. And we put up this shield. And we don't want to let anybody close. And we don't want to trust because you know what happened the last time you did, last time you trusted, you got hurt. So we all walk around like this. Here's what I've been praying for you through this from a spiritual standpoint. Because I want what God's best for you. I've been praying that maybe we can get back here. I don't mean we're stupid. I don't mean we're Samson and we're just going to keep trusting naively. But maybe we can come out of this and get back in relationship with each other and get to the point where we are going to realize that the Holy Spirit is at work in us and learn to trust again. That, 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 that if you could just open up and and trust again, it would change your life. Because if you don't get past that, this bubble gets lonelier and lonelier as we go. And I believe, as we get ready for communion in just a moment, I believe that, that having Jesus in your life is the key to this. Because I will tell you something, Jesus will never break your trust. He will always be there for you, even unto the end of the age. And he will be by your side fighting for you, no matter what you have to endure and go through in life. So we're going to do communion in a second. And I just want to invite you to pray with me right now. Lord, I just pray that you'll be with us as we think about what it's going to look like to be smart and know the things that we need to know about the people that are around us. But for many of us, Lord, I I think it's about the fact that we're already in a family that we're already committed to. We're already in a a relationship that we've committed to, a marriage that we're committed to. And maybe we need to stop with the thinking about the spouse in our head and give them a break and realize that they're human and they've got their baggage and the trust falls not easy for them either. But we're going to open ourselves up so that we can be a people who can love again. And I think that starts as we open up our hearts to you. So be with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One thing that we all hold in common is our propensity to mess up our relationships in small ways and sometimes in big ways. So I pray that this series provides you with some helpful tools for navigating the relationships in your life. And listen, if you decided to take a step toward God today, maybe for the first time, that is awesome. We'd love to hear about it and help you continue to grow. The easiest way for you to start that conversation with us is by filling out the short Next Steps form at parkviewchurch.com slash next steps. Again, thanks for hanging out with us today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord make himself known to you and give you his peace. See you next time.